Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. In less than two weeks, everyone who's anyone in the confectionery industry will converge in Chicago for the National Confectioners Association's Annual Sweets and Snacks Expo, an epic event that would make Willy Wonka and his factory look like the Little League. And while the bright colors, cheerful packaging, and myriad flavors of the sweets on display will no doubt embody the sense of fun and celebration that entice many consumers to the confectionery category, the reality is manufacturers in this space are battling significant headwinds, including the escalating war on sugar, rising consumer demand for healthy options, and increased competition from adjacent categories. According to IRI market research analyst Larry Levine, these challenges are taking a toll on the confectionery category and slowing sales. But when compared to other food and beverage categories, he suggests the slowdown isn't that bad. Yeah, the, um, you know, the industry actually does remain flat. It's about a $25 billion business. It, it eked out about a uh, little over 1% growth, 1.2%. Uh, and when you compare it to total edibles, which would, to me, be its competitive set, anything that you could eat and consume across the store, total edibles only grew 1%. So candy is kind of holding its own. According to Levine, the big growth drivers are non-chocolate chewy candy, clean mints, and small packages of chocolate. Yeah, we certainly see uh, huge growth within uh, non-chocolate chewy candy, as I said before. That that segment of the business is up 5.3%, and more importantly, it's up 1.8 points in penetration. And to put context around that, 1.8% growth in penetration means that almost 2.5 million more households bought non-chocolate chewy candy last year. So when you think about, you know, one point of penetration is worth about 1.2, 1.3 million households. To grow your penetration is, by almost two points is, is really a fantastic effort by the non-chocolate chewy manufacturer. So I think that there's a lot of consumer groups, um, we think particularly among Hispanics, they really like non-chocolate chewy candy. And so that opportunity wins in that market. We've also seen a big growth in plain mints, uh, up 7.3% with a, a growth of a little bit more than one point of penetration. So consumers are obviously cognizant of keeping their breath fresh as they, uh, uh, as they indulge in, uh, you know, in different types of uh, uh, eating experiences. And, and not only are plain mints up, but also breath fresheners are up 1.9%. So seeing that opportunity to you know, keep my, my breath fresh as well as areas around non-chocolate are winners. But then it's also important to realize that the, um, the foundation of the industry is, is also growing. Uh, chocolate uh, boxes um, under, under three ounces, the so smaller chocolate packages, are up 3.4% year on year, and chocolate uh, boxes Bigger boxes are up um, 1.8%. So people see that opportunity to gift. They see that opportunity to treat. And I think it's, it's really led to some, some big growth in, in, in areas that really didn't have a lot of headroom for growth, particularly 
around chocolate, but um, I, I think everybody's just been continuing to watch the you know fantastic growth in non-chocolate chewy candy. Uh, to put it in perspective, just a couple of years ago, non-chocolate chewy candy was about a um, uh, 3.2 3.2 billion dollar business, and now it's a 4.3 billion dollar business. So it is. Um, it's really where the growth is, uh, both in terms of dollars and, and units. Notably, while mints are doing well, gum, which used to be the go-to breath freshener of choice, is not. You know, gum continues to uh, you know, be a, a $2.5 billion business, but it is, um, it's, it's losing share. But I think it's really fascinating some of the innovation, and particularly as, as uh, retailers are walking the floor next week, or two weeks from now, at Sweets and Snacks. Um, you know, Perfetti's done a lot of innovation uh, around Mentos gum and around Airheads gum. And so I think that there are pockets of innovation that are happening within gum that hopefully will create, no pun intended, a sticky situation for growth here and an opportunity for uh, for some wins um, in, the, in the category because obviously it's an important part of the entire confections uh, area and it's a plays an important role in breath freshening, but it seems right, right now the consumers are, are opting for breath fresheners and plain mints to drive their passion for uh, freshening their breath. While chocolate in the candy aisle may not be garnering the same level of attention as non-chocolate chewy candy, it's doing really well as an ingredient that's blended with better-for-you products. You know, dark chocolate with ACI berries or dark chocolate with with nuts, I think that there's there's still a consumer fascination around around dark dark chocolate and it and it being better for you. And then I think just in general, chocolate is making its way into uh, a lot of categories where it's not the lead product. And our our data suggests that uh, more than half of food and beverage categories actually contain uh, product have products that contain chocolate. And while the category, the edible category is only up 1%, products that contain chocolate are up 2.5% and even have been able to spark pockets of growth like in cereal where we know cereal has been, been flat to down for a long time, but there are gro- pockets of growth where, where chocolate is part of the cereal, um, you know, part of the cereal that uh, the consumers are buying. Levine also warns that as chocolate is being pulled into different categories, so too are consumers who are looking for indulgence. As a result, he cautions that candy manufacturers need to look beyond just their aisle when assessing the competition. In particular, he says cookies and ice cream are significant market threats. Cookies and ice cream together are almost a $20 billion business, but they're growing much faster than candy. Cookies are growing at 2.6% and $8.3 billion business. And ice cream is growing at almost 4% and $11.6 billion business. So when you think about my options to indulge, it's candy, it's cookies, it's ice cream, and it could be other areas of the store as well. But you know, looking closely at certain categories that really drive indulgent treating, uh, cookies and, and ice cream are actually doing really well. And frankly, what I talk to candy manufacturers about is 
don't just think about the tunnel of your aisle and your category as your competitive, as your competition. Think about uh, when a consumer comes in, there's a demand for some for a treat that cookies, ice cream, candy, all play a role in, in trying to decide where I want to spend my money to, to indulge in treating. And so I think it's really important for manufacturers to think much more broadly about their competitive set and really have a consumer demand moment in his or her mind as you're thinking about ways you want to activate consumers. Levine attributes the growth in cookies in part to innovation around thins, which give consumers permission to indulge in a cookie without having the same amount of calories that they might consume with a regular-sized cookie. Of course, that doesn't account for the fact that I may eat more thins in one sitting, and so I negate the, uh, I negate the benefit. But nonetheless, I think that portion size has been driving it. And I, again, I think that consumers understand the balance between eating healthy and indulging, and there's nothing wrong with indulging. This expansion outside of the candy aisle by consumers seeking to indulge isn't all bad for confectionery companies. Levine says it's also creating an opportunity for crossover marketing and reaching those consumers who might not shop the candy aisle. Even within uh, quick service restaurants, uh, you'll see oftentimes where there's shakes with uh, with M&M's sprinkled on top. There's There's a lot of opportunity for cross-marketing, and, and we see it all the time, uh, not just in cross-promotion, but also in uh, in cross-product development, if you will. Like uh, you know, in the past year, uh, Jif and, uh, and Keebler came out with a, with a bar, or think about what Quaker did with Girl Scouts of America and bringing Girl Scout cookies into, uh, into Quaker bars. So I think that there's a lot of great opportunities for cross-promotion, and um, it, you know, it broadens that, that opportunity to win in the marketplace. It also, I think, sets up secondary placement, and uh, particularly uh, with, the, you know, with the coming camping season, I think Hershey just recently announced that it was going to have secondary displays in the camping aisle to promote s'mores and other ways to indulge in in treating while you're out while you're out camping and continuing to play beautifully into family, uh, uh, you know, into fun family uh, experiences that treating certainly plays an important role in. Building on Levine's reference to consumers satisfying their sweet tooths at quick service restaurants, he said where people shop for candy is evolving. And now, 52% of sales go between mass and convenience. So. Um, you know, they've been able to increase their prominence in the marketplace. And another area that's been growing, um, although it's off of small base, is dollar, which is 6% of total confections, but up 2.3%. So we're seeing, uh, you know, consumers come into uh, easy-to-shop venues like uh, Convenience of Dollar, as well as sourcing uh, big boxes uh, in mass to to source their candies. And as a result, food, which is still 25% of the business as well, is basically maintaining sea level relative to uh, candy. It's up 1.2%, so it's mirroring the industry. But the drug channel and the club channel have seen pretty significant declines. Drugs down 2.2%, club is down 3.6%. So consumers are 
uh, you know, are leveraging you know, both the opportunity to get in and out of dollar inconvenience and also leveraging the opportunity in mass as they make it probably part of uh, bigger shops when they're inside uh, some of the bigger boxes. You know, obviously, impulse remains a big, uh, big driver of treating, and I think that kind of gets to what we were talking about earlier, that consumers give themselves the right of permission to, um, to indulge in a treat every once in a while. And then I think mass um, can obviously serve both of those both of my needs in order to you know stock up and have treats around the house versus uh, just make a quick a quick impulse purchase. Uh, I think they they both uh, work really well. I think convenience has been fascinating to me because I've been watching the channel in general and seeing that um, uh, the channel makes up 18% of total CPG dollars, but 35% of growth. And so candy is right there alongside the industry as a whole and being able to drive growth for, through convenience. But what's even more fascinating to me is you take a company like Perfetti and Perfetti has been able to buy better real estate within, uh, you know, within different uh, channels. And in particular saw its uh, convenience share grow 15% year on year to uh, 37% of its sales go through convenience. And, you know, so I, I think more marketers are just recognizing the opportunity to consume on the go. I think as gas prices came down over the last year, year or two, it's enabled people to uh, you know, think about getting out of their cars and going into the store and maybe getting some healthier treats, um, not just around, uh, candy and snacking, but just around uh, you know the whole fresh concept that's really been growing significantly within C store as well. So I think that there's um, uh, you know really good opportunities to continue to leverage C store. A lot of clients across a lot of industries are seeing outsized growth in in the C store channel. I was looking at a uh, soft drink manufacturer recently which had, I believe, 27% of its sales through C-Store, but 63% of its growth. So it's a, uh, it's a very, very important channel for, for consumers and for manufacturers as um, our passion for snacking on the go continues to uh, increase dramatically. Levine also stressed that e-commerce is becoming an increasingly important sales channel for the confectionery industry. He said sales of food and beverage online right now is about $11 billion, but IRI data suggests it could grow to an $80 billion industry by 2022. Of this, he expects sweets and snacks to capture about $2 billion. You know, obviously, when you look at it in total, it's a relatively small percent of CPG sales, but the growth is uh, you know, disproportionately being driven through e-commerce. And particularly categories like gum and mints could be great subscription or opportunities for manufacturers because, you know, I may always want to buy mints as we were talking about earlier uh, as an agent to keep my breath fresh. So being able to leverage e-commerce, I think is another important channel growth opportunity that this industry as other industries within CPG really need to be looking at and being able to take advantage of the uh, the ease of shopping and, and particularly the importance that 
omni-channel plays to millennials, and even more so as Gen Zers become uh, a part of the shopping population, they're going to be the first native clicking generation. And so being able to shop online is going to probably be even more important to them than to uh, shoppers before them. The other thing that's fascinating with Omnichannel is that small manufacturers, even the playing field with big manufacturers, and there are a number of category leaders in uh, brick and mortar that are second, third, fourth, fifth players in uh, in Omnichannel. I know this, you know, we're not talking about coffee here, but the biggest seller of coffee on, on Amazon is San Francisco Bay Coffee. I think 15% of uh, Amazon coffee sales are San Francisco Bay. Starbucks, which is number one in brick and mortar, is actually number five on Amazon. So the, um, you know, the opportunity for small manufacturers is they are at sweets and snacks and they're promoting their wares would be to talk to uh, talk to people about their online strategy as uh, as a way to win and a way to get their products out maybe a little bit more quickly in front of the consumer. Okay, I know this is a lot to digest and will be a lot to remember as you're walking the Sweets and Snacks Expo show floor. So if you need a refresher, you should be sure to check out Levine's State of the Market presentation at the show bright and early on Tuesday, May 23rd at 8.45. Also, please tune in next week for Food Navigator USA Soup to Nuts podcast and get the full scoop on what to expect in the snack side of the expo from IRI's Sally Lyons-Watts. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a sweet week. 